0: Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network.
1: 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.
0: Hey, sexy.
1: This is Pleasant Gaiman, rock and roll witch and culture maven. You're listening to
0: Pantheon Podcasts. Pantheon Podcasts presents from Toronto, Canada. Muses with your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. The podcast that celebrates the women of rock and roll interviews, stories, and fabulous fun. So grab those backstage passes and let's get to our show.
2: Hey, welcome to Muses. This is the podcast all about women in music. The musicians, the photographers, the wives, the girlfriends, the groupies, you name it. You name it, we cover it. You name it, we cover it. And if we haven't covered it, let us know. We'll cover it. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome. My name is Shanti, and this is the
3: beautiful, talented Lynx Oh well, thank you. That was a really lovely uh, introduction there. <laughs> Appreciate that.
2: And uh, how welcome, are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to do part two of Loretta Lynn of Loretta Lynn's story. I'm so we pumped a, for this. We had a great time with part one, and then mm-hmm. uh, I left you hanging on the edge of your seat. You certainly did. <laughs> My God, what a story! <laughs> All right. And before we get into that, everybody, thank you so much for being patrons, uh, supporting us on Patreon. If you haven't done that already and you would like to, uh, no pressure, head over to patreon.com slash podcast. And another That's way right. that you can support us is by going to our website and you can sign up for our newsletter, which we send out well, once a month. And, yes. Uh, and they're
3: great newsletters, too. Shanti makes them and they are fabulous. I get them and I get excited when I get them. So, so good. good work, Shanti.
2: Thank you. <laughs> and then you can head over to the blog and uh, read the amazing 20 questions that links was the was the brain on that one and we ask amazing women like Pamela Debar, Maureen Van Zand, Kristen Casey, Roxanna Shirazi, 20 questions about um, everything under the sun there. Things, you know, concerts that they've loved and meeting rock stars and it's just another little fun thing that you can go and go and read about. So head over to our website
3: com, and there's lots of extra fun stuff there for you too. That's right. So, I'm so excited for this. Her story is incredible. Part one was amazing as is, and to know she has this whole other life after already having, like, a whole life before she's 20, that's something else.
2: I know, I didn't want to edit this episode and try to squeeze it all into one, because, like, what could I have taken out from the first episode? I thought it was all great, so... Um, exactly. I'm glad that you thought that, you know, it'd be okay to do a two-parter for the first time in use history. So maybe this won't be the last one, but we kind of left off where Loretta had been gifted a guitar. Uh, I originally said when she was 14, my notes here say 18th birthday. Um, either way, she was between 14 and 18 when she got a guitar. And that's actually a little bit old sometimes as like, you know, a lot of... People start playing the guitar when they're much younger than that. But either way, she practiced it and she got really good. And just singing up in Butcher Holler, up in the mountains and rocking babies on the porch and singing to them and listening to the radio. That's where L- Loretta learned how to sing.
3: I was going to say, it's amazing that she even learned the guitar at all when she had four babies that she was taking care of. And ac- actual babies because they happen like so fast one after another. I know. So no excuses, people
2: out there. If you think it's late <laughs> for you to start a new hobby, you just go ahead and you pick up that guitar.
4: That's yeah.
2: Right. Yep. You know, growing up in Butcher Holler, they sang a lot. They sang that to country music, and they, it was kind of passed on from family members. And so there were other members of Loretta's family that were not professional singers at the time, but just kind of enjoyed it. Now, one thing that we did mention in the first episode as well is that Loretta was thankful for her husband, Doolittle, for really encouraging her to start a career in music. And then he really helped her out with the business side of things. And she also really thanks him for some of the inspiration of some of her best songs so i figured that we would start off with a song and this is one that doolittle especially inspired and it's called don't come home a Drinkin' with Lovin' on your mind love it here it is
4: Thought I'd be waiting up when you came home last night You'd been out with all the boys and you ended up half tired but liquor and love they just don't mix leave the bottle or
2: Right. So, once Loretta got married and had children, she had been away from home for about 10 years. And then when she went home and spent some time with her family members, she found out that some of them had been singing in bars and hotel clubs. So, all in all, there were about four people in Loretta's family that ended up being in the music business in Nashville.
3: But none of them would be big. As Loretta ever got. That's so cool that they all gravitate. I mean, not all, there's a lot of them, but some of them gravitated toward music like she did, though. Yes. So Loretta was 24
2: years old when she really started her singing career. Her oldest daughter was 10. Wow. Doolittle really encouraged her to practice her guitar and sing. She didn't take any lessons, and she first began by singing Kitty Wells' songs and then writing her own. Now, hmm. like we mentioned before in episode one, Loretta was very bashful, as she called it, and Do encouraged her to sing in front of people. He said it would be a chance to make some extra money, so she kept practicing And, you know, he really made the decision in those days. Hmm. She says that she'd still be a housewife today if Dude didn't bring her that guitar home and encourage her to be a singer. She says... That's great that he did that. Yeah. She says, why deny it? Doolittle is a brilliant man, always looking to do something different or better. If we're off in Kentucky and somebody says the road to Daddy's graveyard is washed out, Doolittle don't just grumble about it. He borrows somebody's bulldozer and goes up and fixes the road. He's a good worker and a good businessman, too. I've always had faith in his judgment that way. When he told me something, I was pretty sure it would probably work out. It's a good partner. Mm -hmm. In ways, for sure. In one night in in 1960, they went to a bar with live music with another couple. The boys started drinking, and Dew started pestering the band leader to let Loretta get up and sing, saying, I got a girl here tonight who's the best country singer there is, next to Kitty Wells, and I ain't kidding. So they didn't let her up that night, which is, was good for Loretta because she was like, new. No. But the band leader said to bring her over to their house on Wednesday, and they'd try her out. It was the house of John and Marshall Penn, two guys in a group called the Western Ears. She only knew one song, like, to play, and she wasn't sure what key it was in, but she sang for them and thought that was that. Like, that was that. That's it. But they came over the next day, and they asked if she would sing with them that Saturday night. So they liked what they heard. They saw something special, just like Dew had.
3: So cool. They would
2: pay her $5, and... And used the tape that they recorded for of her on their radio show. Like, she couldn't believe it. And then she got very scared. <laughs> Up on stage when it was time to go, she tripped over her dress. She dropped a coffee cup with the governor's feet that night because he was in town going to be listening to them sing. And they thought it would be a good idea to have Aww. her go serve the coffee. But she was Aww. like, I was so clumsy. I would never be a good server. Um, But she played guitar that night and she sang, and they invited her back to sing next Saturday for another $5. Yeah, they did. And she thought that she was a millionaire. So it's cute because this chapter is called Beginner's Luck. But it would just keep rolling for her, honestly. Yeah. She says that not many people liked country music then. And if you did, you called it Closet Country because you listened to it in secret. I wonder what
3: they were listening to instead. Mm. Um, good question. Rock and roll, Elvis.
2: Yeah. So four months with this band, and Loretta and Doolittle decided to go at it on their own. Loretta played the rhythm guitar, and her brother Jack played lead guitar. They had a coffee pot, and they painted a kitty on it. And if people wanted to request a song, they drop a nickel or a dime into the pot. The group was called Loretta's Trailblazers, but Jack said that they should have called themselves Loretta's Tail Riders because she used to ride their tails so much to do better. (laughs) So her little bossy spirit and that little meanness came in handy because she was self-assured and she knew what she wanted and she was, you know, the leader of the band in ways. So at the time, Doolittle was working as a heavy duty auto mechanic during the day and he would go and supervise their shows at night. Loretta was terrified of performing and at first was scared of saying a word to the crowd. But in later performances, you know, I would watch and she seemed so confident and at ease and full of charisma and like so sweet. And like she seemed like a natural. Mm -hmm. But at first she was really scared. She grew into it. Yeah, I've never enjoyed uh, playing music for other people. I've always really enjoyed to play the piano and the guitar for myself, but I hated recitals and I hated it when my mom would have people like friends over and be like play a song for them
0: (laughs) even when I'm
2: practicing the piano today and somebody walks in I all of a sudden start doing terrible I am not a good musician but hey at least I'm not a bad public speaker so
3: you're a great public speaker
2: I'll take it (laughs) so Loretta was terrified as I said, but um, she eventually came out of her shell and soon enough, she was playing six nights a week, which Loretta enjoyed because she'd been a housewife since she was 13. She was finally getting out. Like if she'd gone to high school or never gotten married, you know, she would be learning things and
3: going places. And she'd never done that before. Yeah. She's living really for the first time, like her own unique life type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Sundays, they'd play at um,
2: different kinds of hospitals and Air Force bases. She sang at a fair in Linden, and she won the grand prize of $25 and was confident enough that it was time to go to Nashville. Yes. Yes. So Loretta had someone spot her on one of her TV appearances that she made when she was there. And he wasn't exactly in the music business, but he had a lot of money and he wanted to help Loretta make a record. He ended up being quite a good man. She started writing her own songs and to help her, she picked up a copy of Country Song Roundup, the magazine with words to hit songs. And she figured, well, if anyone can write these songs nothing to it really i can do it too and she did that's right after writing some songs she was given money to head to la do accompanied her and the kids stayed back with loretta's brother and his wife it wasn't as easy as they thought many places wouldn't even take their money to record loretta but do was persistent so he found a place who agreed to let her make a record Loretta says that the recording studio was half the size of a motel room with machines and a few musicians, but they liked what they heard, and they called in some really good pickers to come and play on her song. A few weeks later, they sent them a shipment of records. Amazing. Doolittle, ever the, you know, Renaissance man, had a hobby of photography, and so he took the photo of her for it she said that the album was fine but you know they were pitiful they didn't know how to put out a record yeah they sent copies to radio stations all around the country and even wrote up a little something about her life to go inside so you know when they were packing the record they would pack the photo that dude took of her in this little letter and they'd call the disc jockeys themselves to get it played and most of the time the djs played it People would then hear the song on the radio and they would want to buy the record, but they couldn't get the record in the stores fast enough. So the stores never had the records. But one day, their steel guitar player came over and told them that their song was on the charts. So, oh my goodness. So and Dew didn't even know what the charts were. Whoa. But they were in the top 10 on July 25th, 1960 Billboard charts and number 14 in the national country music charts so we're into the 1960s so she mentioned having recorded two songs at the time for that record and I think this song called honky tonk girl was really one of the first songs that she had ever written and it started to get really popular and it really started to get played so let's listen to honky tonk girl Okay, so this mystery man who was giving them money and this business guy, his name was Mr. Burley. He was financing their record and he was really happy with their success. He paid for them to do a promotion trip around the country. He really was a good man and he wanted Loretta to learn as much about the industry as she could. And if she ever got the chance to be on a major label, he said he would release her from her contract because he didn't want to stand in her way.
3: What an amazing guy to have for support that's that's fantastic i know it's like a nice refreshing story
2: (laughs) absolutely probably waiting for me to be like but he didn't stick to his word and there was a big battle but no he like he stuck to it so oh that's fabulous so, Loretta and Doolittle went on tour and not being able to afford to stay in motels, they slept in their car and they ate bologna sandwiches. Bologna and cheese. I think she said they like, love to their this bologna. Day, <laughs> I cannot eat another bologna sandwich. So, she only had one dress and a list of radio stations. They'd turn the dial when they got close, she'd change her dress, and they'd go into the radio station. So, small or large they would hit all of the radio stations that they could she still kind of looked like a kid and do never let her wear makeup so the disc jockeys were always kind of really nice to her so she says at one place (laughs) okay they were all really nice to her except for like this guy at first (laughs) at one place i asked if they had my record and they said no but i looked out the corner of my eye and i spotted it in the garbage can I asked politely if I could give them a copy. They said, all right. I walked over to the garbage can and I handed them the record. They smiled all sheepish like, but ever since then, the studio has been behind me all the way. Oh, man. Good for her for not letting
3: it like, you know, affect her.
2: Yeah. She eventually loved, uh, you know, chatting at radio stations and meeting all the boys. (laughs) Dew would sit in the car and listen to her on the radio in Arizona oh. she met a very nice disc jockey around the same age as her and he had pimples and greasy hair they ended up sending letters back and forth until he got into singing too she says Waylon Jennings that's who it was Aww. Waylon. I like yeah I love the way that she kind of tells these stories it's like she builds it up a little bit and then she's like I believe his name was uh Waylon Jennings <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, she met someone named Hugh Cherry, who was the man who would break the hillbilly records in California. So she gave him Honky Tonk Girl, he played it, and she told him that she was going to get to the Grand Ole Opry. And he said, you know, it usually takes about four years to get there. But Loretta did it that very same year. Oh, my goodness. Like the same year that she started singing and made a record, she made it to the Opry or, you know, pretty small time. That is
3: crazy. Wow.
2: And then she was listed with a few others as the most promising girl singer. Loretta's like moving up fast. (laughs) She's putting in the work. And she's got a good little team and she's got that real natural talent. So,
3: Oh, I love it. It was all meant to be for her. Absolutely, yeah. While
2: the disc jockeys did help her by playing her music, Loretta owes a lot to her fans. People started listening to her and liking her right away. So they would request her songs. They would buy her records. And she says, like, there's really nothing like country music fans. They are fans for life. She even recognizes some of her fans all around the country. She says that most of her fan club is women, and that's how she wants it. She says men have enough going for them. Women have to stick together.
3: Yeah. I love her so much. Oh, my goodness. So there were these
2: sisters called the Johnson sisters who really helped Loretta at first. They were huge fans. They pestered a club in Aurora, Colorado to hire Loretta for one night. So Loretta hopped on the bus and she went alone. She was so nervous when she arrived. She said that the three girls were standing backstage and they were so friendly. It's like they had known each other all their lives. So like they were there. They put on the show for Loretta. They welcomed her with open arms when they got there. You know, amazing. Patsy Cline had played the club a week prior And this is going to kind of kick off a little bit of a friendship between Loretta and Patty soon. Now their worlds are going to start to collide soon. But that night before Loretta went on, the girls had asked her, like, aren't you going to get made up? And she never had before. (laughs) So for the first time, Loretta put on makeup. The show was a big success. Mm -hmm. And these girls stayed friends for life. Loretta says they're not fans anymore. They're friends. Oh, I love it. One time one of the girls bought Loretta a short skirt, and Loretta said, Oh my god, you can see my kneecaps. Because <laughs> famous for really long dresses, and then a dress that like went up to her neck, you know, and she kept that look for many mm-hmm. years. The girls even traveled <laughs> around their area asking for Loretta's records in their jukeboxes. And if they weren't there, they'd made sure they got put there. Loretta had fan clubs all over and once a year she'd invite the fan club presidents out to have a party at her house, a large meal, a dance, you know, to say thank you.
3: She is just the most wonderful, sweetest woman. I love that she really cared about everyone who was helping her with her success, you know?
2: Yeah, and she really tried her best to chat with fans after, but once she started playing many shows, she had begun to have the migraines that her father had, and they plagued her for many years, so lots of times after a show, she'd just have to go kind of lie down in her bus. But before that, she tells a cute story about a time she finished a show, and there was a man in his 80s waiting by her bus. His daughter said that he was going to die soon and really wanted to meet her. So Loretta hugged him and gave him an autograph and he said, Take me home, boys. I'm ready to die now. So her fans loved her and she loved them. So while Loretta was on the road, she was getting another real education. She knew from her marriage with Dew so far that married couples didn't always get along. Loretta was told that people would like her singing better if they didn't know she was married, but she didn't like really care about what people thought, and she eventually started wearing a wedding ring, and it didn't slow men down from giving her their numbers or asking if she'd have drinks with them after the show. And sometimes guys would get out of hand drinking and try and grab her, but whenever Dew was around, he would take anyone outside who attempted anything like that. Oh, I bet he would. When Du wasn't traveling with Loretta, Mr. Burley sent this woman, hired this woman to travel with her. So she thought it was for safety, but the woman wanted Loretta to ride around in a convertible with a bikini, go on days with jockeys because that's just the way it's done. So she wouldn't do any of that. She wasn't going to sleep with anybody from the radio station to get her records played. And the woman ended up getting fired pretty quickly. But, you know, Loretta was, like, learning, like, oh, so people... Do these things in the music business when she just didn't stand for it, you know? Well, good for her. Yes. So Loretta saw a lot on tour, learning about people and their behaviors. Most people think that her songs are all about her and her relationship with Due, but she'd really write about things that she saw, like the song You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man about a young woman who came to her show one night, found Loretta, and told her that her husband was there that night with another woman. And at the same time, Loretta just said to her, don't worry about it. You go and you get your man, kind of like how she had done when Duke was (laughs) cheating on her. And so let's listen to that song. You ain't woman enough to take my
4: man. (laughs) You've come.
3: I gotta say, I'm just, I love the titles of her songs. I know. I told my younger brother
2: that we were going to be doing an episode on Loretta Lynn. And he was like, I love her. And I'm like, when well, you do? And he's like, yeah. And my younger brother is great. He always surprises me. And he was telling me like, do you remember that episode of The Simpsons with Lorreen Lumpkin? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'm pretty sure that character was based off Loretta Lynn. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Did you yep. watch The Simpsons a lot, Lynx? Do you know who I'm talking
3: about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I so do, of Homer course, becomes yes.
2: her manager. Yeah, um, yeah. Said, your wife don't that... understand you, but I do. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right, that's right. Oh, I love it. Yeah, she was very yep. clever with her lyrics. Yeah, so cool.
2: and I think, yeah, so it makes sense that Loretta Lumpkin was based on Loretta Lynn. Um, yeah, in a little way, anyways. Stu never had to worry about Loretta cheating on him. You know, when this book was written after 25 years of marriage, Loretta had said that she hadn't ever cheated on him. She said she'd met a few men who she could have liked, but none enough who could ever take the place of her family. So she stayed out of trouble. She's had men follow her around all over the city that they live in, call her hotel, ask if they can come up, but she never went for it. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that Loretta hasn't been accused over the years. Not by do, but by people. She'd oh, been really? sleeping with other country musicians, especially those she'd write songs with and she'd sing songs with. But Loretta never did. And she said that if she did sleep with someone else, it wouldn't have been to get anywhere in the business anyways. It would have been for her own accord. Yeah. That's a good reason to sleep with somebody, I think. <laughs> yeah. So Loretta's first appearance at the Grand Ole Opry was October 15th, 1960. Now, how did she get the gig? Well, she got it for herself. She went to the manager and she said that she pestered him and he let her on the show. And so she sang the song Honky Tonk Girl and was invited back. Amazing. And I believe this is where Ernest Tubb makes his appearance in the movie is when Loretta is invited up on stage, the character that sang before her was Ernest Tubb. That makes and sense. actually him in the movie, so Cool. True to his word, Mr. Burley let Loretta out of her contract when she moved on to something a bit bigger. She made songs with, songs with Decca Records, who already had Patsy Cline and Brenda Lee as signed artists. She was both polishing up her act, but staying true to herself. She was encouraged to pronounce the words the way that she wanted to, and they never made her feel stupid for talking as she calls it, like a hillbilly. One of the guys said, people will always understand me because I was always myself. That's great. Of her band members, she could only afford to bring her brother Jay Lee because she couldn't pay the rest of the guys to move away from home and pay their salaries. And that's Hmm. when Loretta's family settled in Nashville in 1961. Loretta started getting regular performing dates and was invited back to the Opry every week. She says that there were many other girl singers trying to make it big then. And they were jealous that Loretta was getting so many gigs and attention so quickly. Loretta says that if it weren't for Patsy Cline, she might have given up. Loretta met Patsy, and when Patsy was only 27, Patsy had known hard times about what it was like to try to make it. They became fast friends. If Patsy had a fight with her husband, she'd call Loretta. If Loretta had a fight with Doolittle, she'd call Patsy. Mm. So this began quite a very unique and interesting friendship and Loretta even wrote a book about their friendship now I also oh. noticed um, on my wish list of episodes to do Patsy has a whole book right so we could even do a whole episode on her one day perfect yeah okay. yeah but we'll just get into her briefly since Patsy had made appearances with Loretta at an event with a bunch of other country singers the stamp of approval made everyone accept Loretta Once Patsy said Loretta was cool, everyone was like, all right, I guess she's cool. Patsy thought Loretta, she taught Loretta about show business. She bought her clothes. She gave her rhinestones, curtains, drapes, drapes for her home because Loretta was still too broke to afford any of these things herself. And Patsy even offered Loretta payment to go on the road to keep her company. So the last time Loretta saw Patsy, Patsy was hanging drapes at Loretta's house and had brought her a huge box of clothes. On March 6th, 1963, Patsy was in a plane crash with a few others, and there were no survivors. Hmm. Loretta said that Patsy was like a mother and a sister to her, and when Loretta would have twins a while later, she named one of them after Patsy.
3: Oh my goodness, I love this friendship. Yeah.
2: It's a shame that it ended so early, and that you yeah. know Patsy was so young when her life ended. Little stayed home with the children a lot. It was a hard subject for Loretta because her career paid off in money and other things, but she missed out on a lot of her children's upbringing. Once he joined Loretta Moore, the children were left with their uncle and grandmothers in Indiana because both of the grandmothers had been living in Indiana at that time. When they moved to Nashville, they had babysitters. Loretta's oldest daughter had children pretty young as well, and so Loretta was a grandmother by 29. Dew and Loretta taught their children to work hard, and since they were young still when they did get money they tried not to spoil their children
3: they still made them wear hand-me-down you, the kids never can went you to imagine life. being a grandmother right now
2: no no thanks. it's
3: just the most wild thing to think of. i can't even think of being a mother right now it's just that's too much for me so. my mom's 61 a and grandmother, isn't grandmother yet <laughs> yeah 29 yeah, my goodness
2: You know, Loretta goes into detail about the personalities of each of her children, but since this episode is already, like, seven hours long, you can read the book if you're curious. (laughs) Loretta says that if she could do it all over again, she would still go into show business, but she would have been with her children more. In 1962, Loretta went on tour, working 42 shows in 25 days. She was on television shows seen throughout the South and appeared before bigger crowds than she'd ever seen before. Loretta jokingly calls herself a heifer because she was so clumsy. She has these stories about falling over on stage, bra straps breaking, pantyhose falling down to her ankles, and, you know, learning that it was important to smile as she walked on stage, even if she was feeling sick or missing her kids. In 1963, Loretta played the Hollywood Bowl with Johnny Cash. She went from playing for 300 people to thousands. Wow, yeah. The the fans started getting weird. They would try and rip a piece of her clothes off as a souvenir. They would try to snip her curls and even her eyelashes. That is like They just crazy. wanted a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That would have been scary. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Loretta got booked all over the country and she really started enjoying it and was finding it a lot easier to be on stage. Mm-hmm. About her women fans, she said, I tried aiming my show more at the women, even though some of them got the wrong idea. One time, I was playing this club in Baltimore and this Woman comes up to me and says, So you're the woman that's in my husband's life. That's all I hear before I go to bed. When I wake up in the morning is Loretta Lynn, and I'm gonna break (laughs) your neck. I said woman. (laughs) I said, Woman, I don't even know your husband. But if you touch me, I'm gonna (laughs) kick the tar out of you. Before I got the chance, a bouncer threw her out of the club.
3: Oh my God.
2: Most of the women liked me though. They could see I was Loretta Lynn, <laughs> a mother and a wife and a daughter, who had feelings just like other women. Sure, I wanted men to like me, but the women were something special. They'd come around the bus after the show and they'd ask to talk to me. They felt I had the answers to their problems because my life was just like theirs.
3: Huh. Yeah. yeah, she's a woman's woman.
2: Hmm, Loretta's first album was number one in 1963 and in 1964 she was named top female vocalist she was at the grand Ole opry for 17 straight shows which was a record for anyone who wasn't a member and then finally they asked her to join
3: (laughs) yeah that'll do it huh
2: Yeah. So Loretta heard Kitty Wells sing songs from the woman's perspective because country music from the men's perspective was all truck driving, easy women and cheating. (laughs) She remembered how Kitty sang, you know, the woman's side of the story and wanted to hear songs more like that. And she says, you know, it certainly helped that Kitty Wells and Patsy Cline came before her and they kind of like led the charge. Mm hmm. Loretta also just talking about music that she really liked. She really loves Ray Charles. She said that country music owes a lot to him, preparing fans for Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard. Charlie Pride, the first black country star, is one of Loretta's all-time favorites as well. And so she says that she's his biggest fan. Mm-hmm. So the song, Don't Come Home Drinkin," the one we mentioned earlier, got to be number one uh, in the nation. and was also the first album ever made by a woman singer that sold a million dollars. She says she didn't want any outside influences changing her music. And so she really didn't listen to Joni Mitchell or Bob Dylan or the Beatles. She kind of stayed in her own little bubble. One of her personal highlights is when Ernest Tubb chose her to sing with him on an album of duets. And so when she's with him, she feels like that little girl huddled on the floor in front of the Pico radio on Saturday night. Now, before she knew it, they were making more money than they'd ever dreamed of. She went from $25 a show to $50 to 100 and above. She still did her own canning and put food away from the winter. She said, you never know when the show business is going to go kerflooey. <laughs> she says, once you've been poor, you always feel in the back of your mind that you're going to be poor again. But it yeah. started paying off. Du gave up his job as a mechanic to take more interest in the business. And they found a 45-acre ranch and rented a little house in Madison, Tennessee. In late 1963, Loretta discovered that she was a pregnant again. Loretta no. was worried. Yeah, yeah. With twins, <laughs> by the way. Oh my god! With- Loretta was worried that her career would be interrupted. But, you know, things moved on. She named them Patsy and Peggy. She said that they were a godsend. It was like a whole second life for her and do happened because they had them when they had the money and time to devote to them. She- still, she was on the road a lot. Yeah, and, and- they were
3: adults. They yeah,
2: yeah. Um Loretta and Doolittle were adults at this time. Good call. Yes. Yeah. So they got to spend more time with them. Um they were identical twins and Loretta couldn't always tell them apart, especially when she'd just come home off the road. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be like, Hey twin and they'd be like, Don't call me that. Call me by my name. <laughs> <laughs> so Loretta says that they were never really part of Nashville's social scene And that 45 acres ended up not being enough for them And they kind of got lost once on a drive And found a beautiful 1,450 acre property With an old house built on a hill overlooking the whole town And it had like white columns in the front It was in such bad shape, though, that when Loretta was on the road, Dew actually thought he'd set the whole thing on fire. You know, he had tears in his eyes because it was probably best to just rebuild. But he knew how much Loretta loved the house, so he fixed it up for them. So Loretta didn't know this, again, because she... Was educated in some ways and not in some ways, but she didn't know that it had originally been a plantation house. And if you look mm. up pictures of it, it, you see it immediately with the white columns, the way that it's built. She talks yeah. about seances that they've had there, because it was a civil there was a civil war battle fought there on the grounds, and that there are actually enslaved people buried in the property. And when she found that out, it made her like really sad. Um Aww. Since they ended up buying so much of the land, it's kind of like they ended up buying the whole town. So d- do fixed up, fix it up into like a, we- a real working ranch, and it's worth a lot now. You can see it and take a tour. You can go on YouTube. People have taken tours of it and made whole videos out of it. So just, you know, search Hurricane Mills, and it definitely has Graceland vibes. Cool. I'll look it up. That's where the recreation of the Butcher Holler home is as well. And it says, you know it uh portrays the legacy of the regs to Richard's
3: coal miner's daughter mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah I just looked it up and like you said yeah you can really tell it's beautiful but uh yeah you can tell it's a old plantation home-hmm in the house
2: Loretta explains on the wall going up the winding stairway we've got all 45 of my albums framed in the order that I did them this is 1975 that she wrote this, and there's 45 albums then. There's more now. There's some when I didn't use any makeup before Do Finally Let Me. You can see me changing album after album. It's really kind of weird to see. I've got all kinds of souvenirs around the house. A bed Hank Williams owned, the cowboy hat Tex Ritter used to wear, my second rhythm guitar, some personal things Patsy Cline gave me. I have Roy Aco- Roy Akoffs. I don't know how to say that. Yo-Yo. Acoff? A suit from Hank. Yeah. yeah. A suit from Hank Snow, a coat from Marty Robbins, Chet Atkins golf hat, and a beautiful gown that my friend June Carter gave me. Wow, she's got quite a collection. Mm -hmm. There were always animals on the property, three or four dogs, cats, snakes, skunks. She says, like I told you, we're country. When she's there, which Mm -hmm. isn't that often, she enjoyed planting flowers, going for rides in the Jeep, and maybe riding a horse. Mostly, she just liked to sit and talk with her friends. Aww. The place was mostly used for TV specials and album cover photos. It didn't feel too private because fans would just walk right up to the door. It got to be too hard to only be there for a day, so when she was in Nashville, she'd just stay in a motel. She says, that's what I mean when I say being a success don't guarantee you happiness. Yep. The ranch was... Was kind of a good deal in a way, but it also caused a lot of problems in their marriage. It cost them so much money, so she had to keep a busy schedule in order to, like, keep up with this kind of new lifestyle, right? And that was wrecking her Mm -hmm. health. Dew was working so hard watching the kids. She was gone from home a lot. People also tried to split them up by making rumors about them that they'd each been dating other people. She says that despite the rumors, Doolittle was a family man. He'd rather be setting feeders for his quail and riding his bulldozers and escaping to Vegas to gamble and see showgirls. Mm -hmm. Things would run more smoothly when he was on tour, but he didn't like being cooped up in a motel room for too long and out of boredom and social anxiety, he would drink too much and then criticize Loretta for something she did or didn't do on stage. And it really hurt her when he drank. They'd have fights in front of their team and it would make people nervous. But by the morning, her and Dew were back laughing and joking. Until the next time, that is. When they got to Nashville, they'd agree to almost any good cause because that they got invited to because they had a place in their hearts for people with a sad story. They'd visit hospitals. She'd try to give as much as she could to charity. People would even write to her telling about their problems and ask if she'd send them money. And a lot of the time, she would want to do that until like their manager would have to look into it and be like, No, this is real. This is not real. Kind of be careful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 1971, Loretta started to get worn out and her health started to decline She had really bad period pains that kept getting worse She'd experience migraines And rumors started that she'd be drunk on stage But she didn't drink In 1972, huh. a tumor was found in Loretta's right breast And since there wasn't much discussion about cancer back then She didn't know much about it And she kept putting it off But eventually got surgery to remove the tumor Then she found out she has high blood pressure, and it was all kind of a mess. So she started taking time off at the end of each month, got water pills for her migraines, and stopped taking aspirin because it turned out she was allergic to them. Mm
4: -hmm. As a
2: little bit of a break place, they built a home in Mexico. Now she won't say where, and she loved it because no one knew her there, and nobody cared. And it was something that she says really helped to improve health. It's the one place I can go to relax. So I ain't going to tell nobody where it is, she says. Uh There (laughs) they fish and they eat all day long. And it's good because on her tour in 1973, she got down to about 90 pounds. And like the stress had really gotten to her. Hmm. So when they would go to visit Mexico, she'd eat all day long, gaining one pound a day for almost a month. She said, Dew said I was like a flower opening up every day. He could see the color coming back day by day. And it was true. I'm telling you, I was born to be a housewife, not a singer. So in 1975, when she was writing this book, she was making about $10,000 a show. She says she doesn't think she's improved much as a performer. So it must just be the people who are managing her business are doing a really good job. Mm -hmm. Doolittle wasn't really a part of the management anymore. They hired some real professionals. Loretta and Conway Twitty made their own booking agency called United Talent, and they had the best schedules in country music. She used to play 200 shows a year, cut it down to 125, and mainly because her money was handled better, so she didn't have to work as hard for what she would... Or no, that didn't come out right. She didn't have to work as much, and she was getting paid better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, she had some people help her write songs, but mostly she kept writing them herself. When the movie Coal Miner's Daughter came out, people got to know her more. She got new fans. It also made her familiar to people. She says it only took her a couple of hours to write what she considers the best song she's ever written. She recorded it, but you know, kept it in the can for a year because she didn't think anybody would like it. The song made her so popular that it led to the biggest award of her lifetime at the time that this book was written so the song of course was coal miner's daughter and the award entertainer of the year goes to the best performer who puts on the best shows on tour and on television plus puts out good records hmm. so at the award show um, which was in 1972 her and conway twitty got the award for vocal duo of the year and they named her female vocalist of the year around this time loretta of course struck up a friendship with Dolly Parton
3: and I was wondering them... if she was going to come
2: in. <laughs> yeah of course and the two of them loved talking about the old days you know when they were both poor and you can see some awesome videos online on YouTube of Loretta and Dolly singing together they sing a mashup of Dolly's favorite Loretta songs and they sing together and it's just amazing like they, oh, these women are just have such raw natural talent Oh, it's so cool to see them together So Loretta was always very encouraging of other women in the industry, never being jealous or mean. She says, there's room for all of us, honey. That's right. While Loretta was winning all these awards, she was also getting death threats. Some pretty scary stuff would happen, like guys following her to her hotel room, calling the room phone, saying they were outside in the hallway. You know, one boy walking her bus with a pistol. You know, so she started having to hire some big time security
3: she had like some super intense groupies Uh, yeah
2: but they like yeah and i don't know if they want to hurt you can we really consider them a groupie i don't know i don't know she's had calls from people saying that they were (laughs) hitmen. You know, people mad at her because she thought that she broke up Conway Twitty's marriage. So, like, no wonder she'd get sick, right? Like, no wonder your health declined. Like, all of this pressure. So, Loretta not only toured around the country, she toured around the world. Politically, Loretta never wanted to endorse politicians, even though she was asked. And she made a point to say that... She wasn't really interested. She would say that it was time for honest people to start running the country. So just get somebody that will feed the poor and forget about the wars. She said that she was waiting for a politician who will help the people and said, then maybe I'll support him or her. Mm -hmm. Loretta traveled with her bandmates on tour On her tour bus for a very long time She designed it herself Purple velvet, gold tassels And an entertainment unit up front Eight bunks in the middle for the boys And the back part was just for her you know, she does go on to talk about how unglamorous it is for people who think that riding on a tour bus is like a real thing that you want to do for for a long time of your life. But uh, mm-hmm. she actually almost had an all-girl band, which she says would have been fantastic. She would have loved it. But the double standard of the music industry said it would be bad publicity if she had a girl band and then the girl band members would go and get in trouble, you know, like uh, if had come downtime, we had downtime, we would be considered loose women, and her team yeah. advised against that decision because it was okay if an all-male band did something like that, right? Yeah.
3: Oh, that's so infuriating. That would have been so cool for her to have, like, this all-girl kick-ass band.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh. So, Loretta used to be, you know, a bashful girl from the mountains whose only dream was a comfortable house for her family. She grew a lot. She learned a lot. She stuck up for herself in her career. She's grateful for the benefits her family has enjoyed because of her prop- prosperous career. And at the time of writing the book, she said she just wanted to put her life in God's hands. She wanted to give more people in, to more people in need. She wanted to travel more. And as she says, I'd love to work more with the American Indians, my people. That's how she said it in 1975. So she finished the book knowing that it wasn't the end of her story, but that there was more to come. Loretta is the most awarded female country recording artist, has scored 24 number one singles, 11 number one albums. She continued to tour for many years, appearing at the Grand Ole Opry and releasing new albums. In 1988, Loretta was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. She returned to the public eye in 1993 with the hit trio uh, album, Honky Tonk Angels, recorded with Dolly Parton and Tammy Wynette. In 2000, 2000, Loretta released her first album in several years called Still Country, in which she included I Can't Hear the Music, a tribute song to her late husband, Doolittle, who had passed away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she releases her first new single in more than 10 years from the album Country in My Jeans. And the single charted on the Billboard Country Singles Chart and made Loretta the first woman in country music to chart singles in five decades. In 2002, Loretta published her second autobiography, Still Woman Enough, and it became her second New York Times bestseller. And then in 2004, she published a cookbook, You're Cookin' It Country. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It was in 2000. Any, uh,
3: any world dishes in that one? Oh, good question. I hope so. I hope so.
2: In 2004, she released Van Leer Rose, which I had mentioned in, I believe it was the first episode. And this is the second album on which she either co-wrote or sang every song. So the album was produced by Jack White and featured guitar work and backup vocals by him. Her collaboration with Jack garnered her high praise in magazines that specialized in mainstream and alternative rock. So she was in Spin and Blender. Rolling Stone voted the album the second best of 2004 and it won the Grammy Award for Best Country Album of the Year. Amazing. So in late 2010, Sony Music released a new album titled Coal Miner's Daughter, a tribute to Loretta Lynn, featuring stars like Reba McIntyre, Faith Hill, Paramore, Carrie Underwood, and they were performing Loretta's classic hits spanning 50 years. Loretta recorded with Miranda Lambert, Cheryl Crow... Um, That single cracked the Billboard singles chart and so made her the only female country artist to chart in six decades. So in 2019, Lifetime aired the highly anticipated movie Patsy and Loretta, which highlighted the friendship of Lynn and Patsy Cline. So Loretta Lynn. You know, she attended the Nashville release of the film, and that's about up to date on what what's been going on. So there's so much more you can go and like you can watch those movies, you can read all those books. But that was that. This is
3: the end of our two part special of Loretta Lynn. Oh my goodness, I love her so much. I love all of her songs. I'm so excited. I'm gonna rewatch Coal Miner's Daughter, and I had no idea they made a movie about her and Patsy. So that's definitely something I want to check out as well Wow yeah thank you so much for this this was like this was a fantastic way to do a two-parter uh, it, she certainly deserved she deserved it
2: okay great I'm glad that you enjoyed it I hope uh, all of you out there enjoyed it and I hope that you're having an amazing summer thank you so much for listening go and check out all of our past episodes where we're into August, I'm assuming. So, you know, I think it's a good time
3: to go re-listen to all of our Elvis episodes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, And check out your Dolly Parton episode too, because that one was great. Yeah, why not?
2: That was, you know what, that one, I think people are saying, people have said that they could go for another Dolly episode because I only highlighted, very much like Loretta had such a rich early life that I really only got into her early stuff,
3: right? You could definitely do a part two on Dolly as well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we did Hank Williams too, so a couple of people mentioned in this we've covered and yeah, plenty more to check out and... As you said in part one, for our patron members, you got a poll up for your next episode. So if you guys want to be part of our decision making over here, sign up and let us know what you're thinking.
2: Yeah, Lynx has got a couple of um, options. Maybe she'll throw a poll up there and you can vote on Lynx's next episode. Yeah, I'll do that for sure. (laughs) all right well that's it everybody thanks so much for listening wear your sunscreen stay hydrated and we love you see you next
3: time
4: one of my fondest memories was sitting on my daddy's knee listening to the stories that he told hit pull out that old photograph like a treasured memory from the past and say child this year's the family rose
0: Muses is produced by Chantal Lemieux and Lynx O'Leary and is part of the Pantheon family of podcasts. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at pantheonpodcasts.com All songs can be found wherever you get your music. Please download and purchase these great and important tracks. Come find us at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods or see us at r and Archaeology on Instagram.
1: For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, offering professional grade industrial supplies, plus real time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? Not just bikes. We also make a rower. Have you ever tried to row? Too hard. Not with Form Assist. It actually teaches you how to row. So it doesn't matter if you're a first-time rower or a seasoned pro. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial.